He's all over. Praise God. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. I better get rid of my gum. I meant to do that sooner. I got feedback once. I preached a couple times with gum in my mouth. <laughs> like Super distracting. You're chewing your gum the whole time. Yeah, I get that. So, um, thank you, Jesus. Let's just see how this goes. I'll switch to the handheld if that keeps it up. No problem. Um, but uh, I think I'm just going to do it. It's a, it's, a, it's a Morse code message from the Lord. What are you saying, Lord? Speaking to us through our sound system. So, praise God. Okay, well, hey, we're going to be getting into uh, Jeremiah today, Jeremiah chapter 17. Oh, I feel God. Um, I feel the presence of the Lord this morning. How many had... I had a great weekend, threw some axes yesterday, celebrating somebody's birthday, that was fun, uh, then some God stuff, um, let's pray, Father we thank you Put your hand upon us, Lord. God, we just thank you that you are such a great leader. And you're always leading us. You're, you're directing our steps even when we don't know. You're still guiding us. And so many times in our life, we turn around and we say, Wow, that worked out better than I thought. And And so, Father, we just thank you that you're not done yet, that um, you, you are moving. You're moving on the earth. You've never stopped doing that. You're moving in America. You're moving in Weaverville. You're moving all over this Trinity County that is your namesake. Lord, we thank you. We, we thank you for your anointing here this morning, your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That, God, you would just reveal yourself to individuals this morning and uh, let us hear your word. Let us catch the pulse of your spirit, what you're doing. May there be a yes in our heart, God. And I thank you that you've already been tilling up the soil of our heart, mixing it with faith. And so, God, the word that you have this morning, you have prepared the ground. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, wow, that was some good stuff. Great worship. And uh, Rich, before you take off, can you do me a favor? I, I think that's on Albright. If you can hit general. Um, ah, there we go. Thank you. That's perfect. Um, so we're going to be getting into Jeremiah 17 and then uh, if you want a heads up, I'm going to read out of uh, Deuteronomy. I'm going to mention Deuteronomy 8 this morning. 
and um, and Song of Solomon 8. I'm just going to reference those verses, but Jeremiah is where we're going to really kick it off. And I want to give some context for this message this morning as we're getting started, that we are in such a time. This is God's time. And actually, it's always God's time. And, uh, you know, the church was birthed in the fire of God. The church was birthed at Pentecost with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and power. And that fire that fell from heaven and landed in that upper room has never, ever, ever stopped burning Ever. And it, it's a concept that I don't know if anyone else calls it this, but I call it the original flame. The concept of the original flame, in other words, God started the fire. Remember the song, We Didn't Start the Fire? It's always burning since the world's been turning. Well, it's been burning since Pentecost at least. And, um, and, and this fire of God has been moving somewhere on the planet in a tangible and a visible way, but it doesn't show up on all of our history all the time because we don't have record of all people in all places available to us. But even what is available to us as we follow what we call revival history, it's just a great name to talk about the history and the timeline of the significant moves of God. Well, we are living in a day that has been prophesied. And there is an awakening that is stirring on the planet. What is an awakening? You know, there is, um, we talk about revival a lot. Revival is revive. It's for the church. Revival, you know, people go, well, if there's a revival, then the, the, you know, people be getting saved. Well, salvation and harvest and outpouring is a result of a revived church. When the church is alive and revived and living out her potential, then the world, that light in the world is shining bright and people are coming into the kingdom because it is the mandate of the church. It's never changed. Jesus gave us all one mission and he hasn't come back to say new plan. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world. So it's pretty simple. But I want to talk to you about the time we're living in now and in reference of what has been happening over the over it's more than this year god's been brewing for some time here but revival touches the church renewal revival right some people make a distinction between those terms i think it's pretty much the same thing it's a fresh move of the spirit when god says i need to breathe on you and bring you back to normal because we're not actually the, there are principles in the kingdom, but the people of God are not called to live by a rule book. Hear me now. 
the Bible is the Word of God. It is the place where we come. It is the inspired Word of God. But the Spirit of God breathes on it and reveals it to us. But the people of God are not meant just to live by, if you will, a list of rules, kind of a manual that we refer to and, and apply at our own will or however we think logically it should be applied. But the church operates on the fuel and the fire of the Holy Spirit and moves by the voice of God. She's known for power and love. Well, we were to read the Bible a little bit. Jeremiah 17, I'm going to start with five, uh, a chap, uh, verse 5 there. And it, it, uh, it's really, it starts out really encouraging. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. Praise God. Bow your heads. Just kidding. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. Now hear this. And makes flesh his strength. And whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert. And will not see when prosperity comes. But will live in, a stony, in stony wastes in the wilderness. A land of salt without inhabitants. Blessed is the man, now this is, this is the boat we're in, right? We want to we be in this boat. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. I like that. It's like, I don't just trust in the Lord, he is my trust. For he will be, or she, will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. This is a supernatural kingdom I have a lot to say, but I'm not going to say it all today. But in this in this, in this portion of Scripture here, it's so clear. I like this portion of Scripture, and it's always ministered to me, and the Lord's always spoke to me out of this, out of Jeremiah and out of this chapter. But, but, it, but he's, it's a contrast that's being drawn here, isn't it? A really clear one. Whether, whether, whether I inherit the fruit of a curse or the fruit of a blessing, it has every, everything to do with where I place my trust. It's amazing. And I want to talk to you about spirit and flesh. There's a lot of things that you, there's different ways that you could label these two categories, if you will. Spirit, flesh. Let me say it this way. Humility is to the spirit as pride is to the flesh. Humility is to the spirit as, as pride is to the flesh. Humility relies on God and pride trusts in self. Now, that self-trust can look a little different because sometimes 
it can really look like anxiety and fear and worry and stress because a trust in self is not a peaceful trust. Because somewhere inside we are experiencing that I am trusting something that cannot be trusted. (laughs) And that's why I'm stressed. But when we trust in the Lord, there's peace. And we eat the fruit of that, that spirit, that trust. So I just want to go kind of practical here, but I want to lay it out simple and just, it's not all inclusive here, but I have a spirit category and a flesh category. In the spirit, we have faith. In the flesh, human logic. Just imagine two categories here, verses. Faith, human logic. Spirit, voice of God, logic, what I think. Spirit, unseen, flesh, what I can see. Spirit, believing equals seeing. Thank you, Bill. Flesh. I believe it when I see it. Prove it. Spirit, surrender. The flesh, control. You ever notice anything you're afraid of, you want to control it. We need some rules about that. And you're not following the rules. You know, I mean, we get, we get super, and I believe it, there should be some, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean. Where is it coming from, right? What are we protecting? Fear only protects itself. But when you put, but when, you're, when your heart is to steward the atmosphere of the kingdom and to, to make a place for what God wants, then your guidelines and the way you do that, it's a, it's a whole lot different. It doesn't feel like control. All right, the spirit side, we have childlikeness. The flesh, ego. Right? Surrendered childlikeness, you know you can laugh you can laugh a lot more. Now the flesh says that's irresponsible. Don't you know there's stuff to be worried about right now? And if you're the one worrying, you're so mad at the one that has joy. You shouldn't have joy. You should be freaking out like me right now and I'm going to try to make you freak out. And, and so, has anyone seen any of this in the world over the last year? Anyone, anywhere, anywhere? Anybody have Facebook? All right. Um, anybody have a computer or a phone? Or, okay. this, we're going somewhere. So, as the Spirit calls out, to, it calls out the gold. This is in our reference to other people. When we're living by the Spirit, 
you know what we're doing? We're calling out the gold in others, and we're covering faults. Doesn't mean there's not any ever, any ever, like, there, there's never any conversations. Doesn't mean there's no loving confrontation. But it does mean that I'm focused on who you are and who God says you are and the gold that you are. Because we're all gold, but we all got some edges, if you will. So, so in the spirit, we, we're calling out the gold and love covers. But in contrast, the flesh is critical, fault-finding, and finger-pointing. Now, sometimes, I'll just say I, sometimes I might point the finger, because it's a whole lot easier if I can think about what you need to fix about you than what's freaking me out right now. I can't control myself, so I'm going to control you. Which is actually even harder. Super frustrating. I remember, uh, you know, I remember Danny Silk saying, you know, talking about parenting, that control thing, you know, don't you roll your eyes at me. You know, parents say that. Don't you roll your eyes at me. And uh, he goes, man, that is a lot of power if you think you can control someone else's eyeballs. <laughs> it's that thing where it's just like, it's a, there's no power in that. Like you literally, they can just roll their eyes again and show you that you can't, you can't control eyeballs of other people. You control your eyeballs. My mom, <laughs> she's like, is he going to say it? We've talked about this a lot. Is it okay? Uh, yeah. So we, 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 have a, we have, you know, family, family jokes and family memories. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I rolled my eyes at my mom when she was, she was talking to me. And she says, she didn't try to control my eyeballs, but she, she just said, you can roll your eyes down the street for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually pretty powerful, right? Like, do what you want with your eyeballs. It's not changing a thing. You know? <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> awesome. Best mom in the world. So, uh, in the spirit, here we go. We're getting into identity stuff here. In the spirit, righteousness is a gift. In the flesh, I work for it. And what we have then is relative righteousness. Now we're back to comparing and finger pointing. At least I'm better than you. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? If I'm thinking that, you're probably doing better than me. Doing better. I had a friend, who, I had a believer, I had a friend, a little cool, fun story. I had a... A, a guy that I worked with years ago, man, I was like 20-something, and, and I was just sharing the Lord with him all the time. He was really open. And, um, and one day he asked me, uh, he said, and it was awesome because we, we had developed a working friendship. And so there was no, like, there was no grind between us. We were friends. Um, and, uh, but I was sharing the Lord with him all the time. And, um, 
one day he asked me, and it was the most sincere question. I've never had anybody ask me a question like this. He said, do you think you're better than me? And I, I said, no, better off. It was the Lord. He goes, he goes, <laughs> he received it. <laughs> because I'm not better than anybody, but I am better off because I am benefiting from what the Lord has done for me. I can't take credit for being better off. It's like if you received an inheritance, you might be financially better off than someone else, and then you steward that inheritance. That's up to you what you do with it. That's, that's up to you. But, but you may start out that way, and it's actually a good thing. That's a kingdom concept. But it doesn't make you better than anyone. It's just because you received something. That's us as believers. All right, moving on. In the Spirit, we have our identity from the Father. I am who you say I am. I love that um, song, Abba, that the team led this morning. Um, Your thoughts define me. Isn't that amazing? What anybody thinks about you doesn't matter. But what God thinks about you is who you are. That is who you are. And here's what I love about God. He treats me the way he sees me, no matter what state I'm in. Even when I'm not acting the way that he sees me. And have you ever noticed, like, when you're not living, when you're not living in that place of sonship or daughtership, and like, we just call it sonship, you know, sons and daughters. Like, when you're not living, like, as a child of God in that way, in other words, your identity secure, and the royalty that you carry. You ever notice, like, God just won't deal with you on that level? He'll love you. He'll protect you. He'll guide you. But sometimes he's just like, he might be even, like, his presence is there, but he's just quiet. I love you. I love you. Like, Lord, he's like, oh, you're asking the wrong question, but I love you. You spend time in the presence, and then pretty soon you start asking the right questions. David said it this way. He said, you have not dealt with me according to my sin. It's amazing. Like, like you, can be, you can be blowing it as a believer. You can, you can make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But God deals with you according to who you are. Aren't you glad about that? It's good news. So, okay, that's another message. But, but... Identity from the Father, flesh. Here's the contrast. Prove yourself. Anybody like Lord of the Rings? Anybody can't stand it? Anybody think it's of the devil? Okay, just kidding. Um, Because Gandalf, you know. But anyway. (laughs) Daniel's laughing. All right. Was it Two Towers or was it? I can't remember, but remember the steward of Gondor? Ah. Now, I was returned to the king. Thank you. And, and remember, he had a favorite son. I mean, he was a horrible father and a horrible steward, too. And, and, and um, I mean, it all became about him. Everything was about him. 
He's a steward. He's supposed to just hold the throne until he can give it to the rightful king, right? And, um, and, but he, he's just, the guy is messed up. And, and, um, and so he's got one son, Boromir, who's everything. It's like his crown and his joy. And he's got this other son who's actually an amazing, loyal, royal son, who, in the movie anyway, despite having the worst father ever, still seems to carry an identity and a nobility in himself. He still acts princely, kingly, royal. He still I mean it's amazing really when you see that. And then and then and then and he keeps serving his father. Like he keeps and he serves the city and he serves the people and he risks his life and he's got courage. You know, and at one point he's like, send me out, you know, and his and his father's all like cynical and cutting and he's like Oh, a chance for Faramir to prove his quality. You know, it's just so bitter and horrible. Like, here you have a son who's stepping up, right? And, but that's, that's kind of the worst, that's like the best or worst view of kind of the fleshly side of things. It's like, it's like prove yourself, you know? And then he's even irritated at him because, oh, you want to prove yourself. When Faramir actually from what I can see, like the way I see the movie is, if you can get an analogy from that, it's like a great example of like living in the spirit. He's like, you know what? I know who I am. Here's the amazing thing, and this, we could expound on this, we won't, but I just want to say this. Children are born, right? We've got a new baby girl back there. Little little beauty, and um, and so children are born into a family before they can do anything. And actually, for a long time, they need every single thing done for them. They don't, if you will, if the goal, if benefit was get some work done, do some chores, help out around here, they literally don't help at all. It's a ball of joy, helps your heart, but they can't do anything. And this is how God has designed it, so that we understand, because remember, we come into the kingdom born. I'm born, I'm alive, wah! Wah! And that's how we can look sometimes, we're, wah! We're new in the kingdom, you know, and, and we're like, people are helping clean up our messes, and they're helping feed us, and... They don't know when to be do anything. Babies are on their own timeline. They don't, you know. And and God has actually designed it this way so we understand that our value doesn't come from what we can do. It comes because we are loved. That's the spirit. So in the spirit, the val- your value is determined by God. In the flesh, value determined by works. This is the way of the world, right? It's not a bad question to ask, but you shake someone's hand. You're like, great, my name's so-and-so. What do you do? And it's an okay question to ask because you're just getting to know somebody. But in some circles, that's going to affect how I treat you after that. Bummer, huh? Kingdom's not that way. I'm glad none of us are that way. 
No, I mean that. That's not, I mean, I don't, we don't experience that in, in the family of God, do we? No, because we're all children in the house. You know, when we get together in holidays with family, well, I love to get family together. But, you know, we all have lives. We all do things. You know what I'm saying? But it's an amazing thing. When we get together as a family, we're just enjoying each other. It's really about being family. All right. In the spirit, there's a reliance on God. In the flesh, reliance on self. Spirit, spiritual hunger. Flesh, settled in comfort. Good enough. Right? Enough to appease my conscience, but not too much where it requires my life. That's religion. In the spirit, revival is the answer. In the flesh, control is the answer. And then we have trust versus striving. And when the pressure is turned up in our lives, stuff boils to the top. This is what's been happening. We've watched this all over everywhere for a year. But I want to give you some encouragement here. What's actually been happening is so good. Might look ugly. But you have to decide what, which one of these viewpoints am I going to take. Am I going to look through the lens of natural thinking and the state of the world? Or am I going to look because I'm a child of God, living by the Spirit, with spiritual eyes. What is God doing? What is man doing? What is God doing? What is God doing in his people? What is God doing in the earth? What is God up to? Because he makes all things work together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He'll take your failures, bring you into repentance, and then give you a ministry that sets people free. He'll t- and and it'll do it, he'll do it so well that you'll almost think it was God's plan that you made th- that you failed. And it wasn't. But he goes, "That's all right. You got a purpose." And he redeems it. Next thing you know, you're bringing breakthrough to people. You know, you can look at this in different ways, but, but when the fire is turned up, this is how silver is refined. It bubbles and all the impurities bubble up to the surface. We got a lot of promises. We've got a lot of prophetic words. You've got them over your personal life. We've got them corporately as a church, globally. We've got them here as a house. We have a prophetic history. And we've got prophetic promises from the Lord. They're not just to get us excited, make us feel good. We get to see the fruit of them. Because prophecy is real and God does 
He's looking for people to agree to him. He want, he'll do what he said. But where we have been in as the body of Christ is that we have been in a wilderness time. Now stay with me. Because I actually don't believe in a, in a, I don't believe in a spiritual wilderness. I want you to know this. A lot, a lot of people go, how you doing? I've just been in a wilderness. Oh, you mean, you mean you've been out of fellowship and you're drying up? Yeah, I've been in a season with the Lord of wilderness. That's not a season. That's a feeling that came from choices. But we corporately have been in a season that is a wilderness season. And let me say this. Another way to say wilderness is a forced rest. I believe the church has been in a forced rest. It's been frustrating. Why are you making me rest? Stuff to do. Because there is stuff to do. There's stuff he's doing. And God is looking for a people who are ready to receive what he is doing. And the way he makes us ready is by doing it. Remember, if you're hungry for God, if you're hungry for a touch from God, that's a sign that you've already got one happening. It might feel like desperation. It might feel like a struggle. But you know, if he was leaving you alone, you wouldn't feel that. You'd be cold in heart. You wouldn't be hungry. So the fact that there's a hunger stirring inside, this is what's been happening in the wilderness season. The children of Israel were in a wilderness. Jesus went into the wilderness. It says, led by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul spent time in what seems to be a wilderness for like 14 years. Then he comes back. Where you been, Paul? I can't even tell you. I don't know where I've been. I saw some stuff. I've been, I don't know if I was in heaven. I don't know if I was in my body. I don't know. Well, that doesn't sound like that bad of a wilderness to me. See, the wilderness is where God draws you near. I'm just telling you. We've made some doctrine that's not actually biblical out of this word called wilderness. But if you look at wilderness in the scripture, it's where God, God's always close to you. But he's close to you in the wilderness. And actually wilderness, he's always close to you, but wilderness is when he's drawing you close to him. Come closer. I'm going to take you out here where there's nothing but me and you. And all the distractions are gone. Because I got, I'm going to give you bread from heaven. I'm going to do some miracles. I'm going to teach you. And they're going around like, whoa, complaining, complain, complain. And the Lord's just drawing them close the whole time. Deuteronomy 8.3, I'm just going to read it to you. You can jot it down if you want. But it says, this is what happens in the wilderness, you guys. Catch this. This is what's been happening in the church. He, 
He humbled you and let you be hungry. Okay. He, he led the children of Israel into the wilderness. He says, he humbled you and he let you be hungry. Why? So he could feed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You know what, you know what occurred to me by revelation as I was reading this? Isn't it interesting that it was the wilderness, he said, I led you, I humbled you. I let you hunger. I made you hungry. Anybody hungry? Like, like, I made you hungry. I brought you to a place where you would be hungry so I could feed you the right stuff. So I could feed you bread from heaven. And it was just amazing, even the whole manna experience, right? This is how God's been leading us. This is the whole manna experience is kind of amazing because it's like, I'm hungry, and it's like, I can't guarantee that man is going to be out there tomorrow, but it is. There it is again. Thank God, I'm so hungry. Hope it happens tomorrow. I bet you they were doing this. Like, have you ever been in a miracle where you're like, I hope this keeps happening? Is there anything I'm supposed to do? Is there anything I'm not supposed to do? Like, when God's moving like that, you're like, yeah. Like, we've been experiencing some blessings that I was, you know, Denise and I and a couple others were sharing about the way the Lord's been moving. And I said, he's been blessing us so much, honestly. It's kind of scary. Like, in a really good way. Like, it, it scares me a little bit. Like, in a good way. Like, in a way that you should be. Like, like it's, it's this holy, it's reverence. Okay. What he was doing was he was resetting their appetites. See, they were in Egypt. And, and he was taking them and he was resetting their spiritual appetites. So I'm going to take you out here where you won't see any of that. There's some stuff to look at. It's a big pillar of fire over there. Things been there every day. Every night anyway. Big old cloud in the day. A lot to see. There's a lot that you don't see. And I thought, it's interesting that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be prepared. And he came up from the wilderness full of grace, full of power. He, he came up from the wilderness and it was like, as soon as he came out of that 40-day fast in the wilderness, it was like... Like, I mean, he was... It was, it was the heaven show after that. I mean, we're multiplying food and raising the dead and cleansing the leper and healing the sick and, and thousands of people are gathering and I got to sail across the lake to get away from them all. And like, you know, it was, it was on. But I think it's interesting how he says, so that you would know that man doesn't live by... And, and what did Jesus say at the end of his wilderness experience? When he was being tempted. See, a wilderness is where there is, it's a testing time. Not a pass or fail test. It's a test to see the pure gold come forth. It's, it's where things are burned away. 
I just thought it was really interesting. So, wilderness. Wilderness is a place of preparation, not deprivation. Like the children of Israel are in the wilderness, and they're like, we're so deprived. No, no. You're being prepared. For what, God? Oh, an outpouring of blessing. had a dream Thursday night, powerful dream, and um, there was like a, there were two parts, it was almost two dreams, it was kind of a two-part dream, but I'll tell you this one part, I, uh, the most significant part of the dream was I was driving down the road in a convertible car, and Bill Johnson was in the, in the passenger seat with me, top was down. And um, as we're driving along, I realized, man, we must be by the ocean because this wave, you know how, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like a curling, crashing wave. You know how water comes up onto the beach? And then once in a while when you're on the beach, you know, you've got your blanket set out and then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, and you're picking up your stuff because your chips are floating away and your blanket's all wet. And like one came up like, you know, 20 times higher than all the rest, and you thought you were good. And, well, this was like this times, I don't know how many hundred. And we're driving on the road, and this steep, like the water's like, like it comes up the beach, but it was almost like an incline like this, and the water's just coming up, and I'm watching it. The amazing thing about the dream was, I never thought anything bad was happening. Like, it was awesome. And, the, and it came to the car, and actually went up over our heads. And then as I was driving, <laughs> I somehow put my foot down on the ground and like pushed up so I could still see where we were driving. Like the car's underwater, kind of halfway floating under me. And, and, I, and Bill, I think Bill was under the water. <laughs> and, um, and we're going. And, and I could feel the water in the dream. It was like, anybody ever been in the San Diego Ocean? It's that temperature. It's not cold, but it's brisk. It's refreshing. It feels, I, li- I like that temperature. I like the San Diego Ocean. It's like perfect. And, um, and so, and, uh, and it was like, whoosh. and then I'm watching, and there were cars, like there was an overpass, and one car's like, down, like coming off, and so stuff was going down, but in my dream, it was all like, oh, look at that. Whoa, wow. And, um, and it was exciting, and and I, and I, I believe that um, there's some implications there that the Lord is speaking in that dream. And, um, and it's, there, there's this wave of God that's coming. And, and, uh, and it's rising. I was asking the Lord about the convertible. And he and he and uh, he just said, "Oh, it's uh, it's the open it's the open heaven it's the open top. The top's open. We've been in a time of preparation. The other thing that wilderness is 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 a, t- a place of revelation." All kinds of stuff gets revealed in the wilderness. One of the revelations that happens is 
you get revealed to you. You get revealed to you. God, you know, you know, uh, you know when you, when you, like, let me say it this way. When I'm squeezed, what comes out? We've seen a lot of stuff coming out. And, uh, and, uh, and I think we can all look in the mirror and have seen a little. And, um, and <laughs> maybe nobody saw it. But anyway, we've all been squeezed. And, um, and you know, what comes out? Is it, is it him? Is it the fruit of the Spirit? This is God's heart. That when I'm squeezed, his, the juice of heaven flows. Like, Jesus comes out. I remember early on, I'm going to just help somebody today. I remember early on when I was walking with the Lord, sometimes, and he was so like close to me, he was dealing with me with my, um, with my sharp tongue. It was like if somebody came, if somebody said so, it was like before I could even think about it, it was like, you know, it was like, ha! Got him, and uh, you know, and uh, and the Lord really spoke to me. He actually, called me out in a meeting one time. We had a guest speaker. I went up for ministry, and he's like, "Oh, the Lord has, uh, yeah, He's called you to speak, and there's a sword in your mouth." And he says, "But don't, don't use it to cut people." I was like, "I know, Lord's dealing with me on that. I, I don't mean to do it. It's like a habit." And I wasn't cussing anybody out. It was just that like. Quick wit thing, you know. I still like dry humor, you know. I, I still like that kind of a, a form of sarcasm, but not cutting, you know. God did a big good work in that. So usually, and um, so in the wilderness, you get revealed to you. And I remember sometimes, like I'd be in the break room at work, and somebody'd say something before I know it. It was just funny because everybody would do it to each other. But when I came back, it would be like sometimes around the break table would be like, oh, I'm like, why am I getting that reaction? Like, it's so bad what I said. It's way not, it's not even as bad as what you guys are saying to each other. I know. And the Lord just, the Lord spoke to me. He said, because as a believer, your words have way more power than theirs. You gotta watch that thing. And so once in a while in that season while the Lord was doing that work in me, it was such a beautiful work. Um, sometimes it would happen and I would just go, Oh I'd go to my break and I'd just be grieved in my heart that I spoke sharply to somebody. Because I'd be loving on him all the time and just once in a while like <laughs> a little sharp little wit battle would happen and and the Lord just said, no, that's okay. Don't be discouraged. When it comes to the top, just come to me. I scoop it off. This, this, is, this is actually the process. It, it can't, unless it's revealed, I can't scoop it off. And, and, so, and so I went, oh, amazing. So then I quit beating myself up. And I, and I got the condemnation off of me. And I just realized, so I just want to encourage you. If you got some dross coming up, they call it dross. It's got some dross coming to the top. You know what? Don't make excuses for it. No, nah, it's alright. No. Take it to the Lord. He'll scoop it off. 
he'll take it off. He'll take it right out. Because the next thing that happens, which is actually the goal, is that, yeah, you get revealed to you, but that's just because you're close to the Lord and he's fire, and in his presence everything comes to the surface. But the next thing is, he gets revealed to you in a deeper way. God has been preparing us. And, and in, the ver- in the verse that we started in, it says, and, and so our choice is, you know what, the mind is a battlefield. What you believe is going to determine what you receive. Where your focus is, what you think matters most, and my, which, which I know there's a scale, whatever, we're all on a journey, but is it a spiritual mindset? Or is it the logic of the world? Am I so wrapped up in the wisdom of man that I'm missing out on the wisdom of God that actually doesn't make any sense to that? And there's a wisdom of the world that seems so wise to people, but the Bible says it's foolishness to God. They're like, this is my smartest idea. And the Lord's like, I love you, that's dumb. I know you thought that was good. It's not that good. I mean, I love you, but if you allow me, I can, I can give you some true wisdom, and you're really going to shine. It says that the worst part, this is powerful, the worst part, I want to say this wave is coming. It's not if. It's not if. It's when. And it's with who? The Lord is here. Is here. You feel the presence of the Lord right now on that? He confirms things. Sometimes when you speak, you watch it because his presence comes and he goes, that's right. That's right. You know, it's like, oh, Lord, I'd like you to do it this way. I'm not having that conversation. I'm doing something. Do you want it? I like it this way. Hold the seeds. Hold the pickles. I'll take that as a no. Let me know. And, um, and, so, uh, and so, I'm going to close this. But it says this. This is what's always gotten me here. It says, when you trust in mankind and I make flesh my strength, all those things. My own experience, my own ideas, what I think. Now we have convictions and we have truth and we we hold fast to those things. But it says, we'll not see when prosperity comes. This is powerful because I'm talking about spiritual prosperity. I'm talking about the move of God. And I like that it says prosperity won't. It doesn't say if you trust in mankind, prosperity won't come. It says, oh, it's coming. You just won't know when it does. You won't even see it. Is that crazy? Do you know when I read revival history, what is so mind-boggling to me is that, and I didn't think about this for years, but then I realized that like, in the Azusa Street Revival, heaven was touching earth. I mean, crazy. 
on and on. You pick so many revivals over the time. But here's what I want to say, that in that time, it was the thing happening on the planet. And there were some people in their little apartment somewhere who had no clue. You think, how could you not have a clue? People are talking about it everywhere. It's in the newspaper, but I'm just telling you, like, it is possible to not see what God's doing. I'm not saying be afraid. I'm saying be aware. Like, I just want to be aware that I don't cast my opinions on something that could be God. In the, in the renewal, man, we saw, we saw manifestations that were so offensive to some people, right? We have feathers falling. No, and I mean, look, I know, I could feel it in the room even when you say that. Like, I was in meetings, and I'm not saying, oh, I found a little feather that puffed out of my down jacket. Like, I know that happens too. But, but I'm saying, I've been in meetings... Where literally I'm watching so many feathers fall straight down. And the ceiling's like one of these ceilings. Like, where is it coming from? You know, and then we come back. And I remember I took some youth on a trip. And, uh, and they all saw it. I didn't tell them what to think about it. They saw it. They were rocked. They came back. And they're like, tell, get some testimonies in front of the church. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> feathers were falling. That was a little bit not usual. And I remember, and then we get all in our natural minds. That there were, I literally heard conversations when they were like, well, they're not angel feathers, they're dove feathers because of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, it, I don't know what they are. It's God. I don't know anything about it. I can't, I, haven't, I, can't, I don't know how to do a DNA test on find out if it has angel DNA or like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And you do know the Holy Spirit's not an actual dove, right? Like, I mean, it was just like the religious mind gets so silly. And it's because we try to define God with our own little pea brain. And, and like, and, and it's like, I'm just telling you, get ready because childlikeness. It's like, we've got to be able to say, well, tell me about that. You know, I remember this conversation. Like, people go out under the power and they get up. And if, if I'm skeptical, I'm like, what was the Lord saying to you down there, brother? What was he changing in you? I can't even talk right now. It was God. <laughs> My heart's burning. Does that count? Counts to Jesus. I, I'm sorry I'm not fulfilling your checklist, but I, I can't think about that. I don't want to have a checklist. I heard someone pray just recently, and I'm just going to agree with this prayer. Lord, I pray that you would make it so difficult for us to miss what you are saying and doing like we individually and corporately just confess to you oh lord you gotta help us you gotta help us having experienced the move of god before doesn't actually guarantee 
So I'm like, and, I, and he's, he's going to help us. Because when we trust in the Lord, you know what trust is? Okay. Do you know what trust is? Trust, let me say it this way. Trust is the most surrendered form of faith. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So when God says, I'm going to give you a car next week. I know what, I know when, I heard God. If you heard God, you heard God, he's going to do it, and you know. Trust looks like, help me hear God. I'm in need. And he says, I love you. Here's what I need. This is what I need. I need you to touch this. I love you. I'm going to take care of it. What? How? What are you going to do? Ah, I love you. <laughs> ah, being a... Faith knows, and they're inseparable, but faith knows I heard God, I know, I believe. I know because I heard. Trust says, I don't know when or how or what, but I know who. I know who loves me. I know who my father is, and he's never let me down before. What's your dad going to do about it? I don't know, but dad, I love you. Yeah, because when, when a dad tells a kid, I'm going to take care of that, the kid's like, dad's going to take care of that. I'm going to find out. That's going to be an exciting day. <laughs> Come on, let's stand. I just want to stay humble and hungry. And I've been thinking about this. That, you know, the test of how much I can receive has everything to do with whether or not I'm still hungry. How much will God pour out on you and me? He'll pour out as much as it takes to satisfy us. I'm not talking about thankfulness, I'm talking about when it quenches your thirst and satisfies your hunger the way you're not hungry. And if what I and if, if what I receive just has to do with what I think I need, then there's a level for all of us at which I'm good. Thanks God, it's pretty good. I'm good here. But if he helps us by his spirit to continually say, it actually isn't about what I want, it's about what you want. And if you want more than I am here, I need you to help me increase my capacity. That I'm not coming with a I'm not coming with a bucket to the Lord. He goes, Oh no, jump into the river. Don't get a scoop. Get in. Don't get a drink. Swim. 
Oh, come on. Just receive however you want. You can put your hand on your heart if you want to, whatever. I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for your help this morning. Thank you for your touch upon us, Lord. God, it's a message, but, but what you're doing beyond this point is actually what's important. God, I thank you that your word is living and active. Oh, I forgot to say this, guys. I've got I to gotta give you this verse. This is kind of the best part. Song of Solomon, this is, just keep receiving. Who is this? 8-5. Song of Solomon 8-5. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Did you know that the wilderness is a place that we learn to lean? The goal of the wilderness, we will either lean or we will languish. And, and the goal of the wilderness is that we will lean. If you're leaning on your beloved, it's a successful season. Because that's your strength. Whatever you're leaning on is your strength, right? He's my trust. That's my trust. I'm leaning on him. So, Lord, thank you. God, cause us to lean on you. And, Lord, in outpouring, in prosperity, in abundance, I pray that you would give us, Mountain Chapel, God, a grace to be leaning lovers. That, that, God, that you would be our prize and not the fruit. That there wouldn't be a church size that we get to. That it wouldn't be, a, it wouldn't be a, an amount of miracles or a level of financial blessing that satisfies us. But that in all those things we will just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are our prize. Let us be a people like that. Help us. That's what you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you, guys.